Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, don't look behind you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they try to sneak huge fees in at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I'm going up to Dallas next month, meaning July, to try to check out some Rangers games. And you'd better believe I'm going to use SeatGeek. I used it for my trip in Detroit I told you guys about. Um, I've been recommending it to people left and right all across the country, to be honest. A couple friends in different spots been recommending it. My buddy is in New York, and he's going up to visit his family a little bit for the summer. And he and his dad are already mapping out where they, what they're going to go see uh, in terms of Mets games with SeatGeek. Honestly, it's the only place I use now. I used to use other places, I'll freely admit. The one that frequently gets mentioned here, StubHub. Stopped using it. It's not It's not necessary at this point because uh, SeatGeek's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Now, I remember when MLB.com first got this for their stadiums, and it was awesome. But I would, you know, be on the StubHub app or something, and then I'd have I buy the ticket or look at a section, then I go to the MLB site and have to kind of, you know, use their stadium view. Now it's all it's all in one with SeatGeek, and the grading is just color coding. So if you know a stoplight, green means go, red means halt. So if you see a red one in the section you want, maybe relax and try to find a green one because those are going to be the better price tickets uh, for their value. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you at the end with huge fees. Now, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to Settings, and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's really easy. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Welcome to episode 361 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, July 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? Oh, not great. I mean, not not great at all. I, for some reason, I had a bout of insomnia, you know, combined with uh, my one of my kids peeing the bed. The other kid was crying, so I got like four hours of sleep last night. Because of that, I left my credentials at home and, and? Uh, looked like a idiot at work today here at the ballpark uh and also left my power cord at home uh and all that and, and then on top of all that i really really blew the Yulieski guriel <laughs> segment last week that's all right and i think you 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 me you emailed me or gchatted me what was the confusion who were who were you looking at what guriel were you looking at I was looking at Unieski. By the way, I, I knew about Lords, but I, I don't. I mean, either I didn't know about Unieski. I don't know about Unieski. Or... But is it any yes. surprise that he's the suckiest of the Guriels? 
I, I, when you well, said that, I was just like, of course it was a Unieski that you were confusing. Sorry, Unieski Betancourt. I know you're an avid listener and emailer, but you're terrible. Um, so yeah, that, that was the confusion there. You, uh, Ulieski Guriel's translations are, are a lot better looking for coming over, but probably still, like I said, I think I ended up saying something like a 750 sort of OPS. I think that's where well, our expectations. We actually, we were actually talking about raw raw stats. Oh, and then and I, I screwed up even more. There was a picture of him, of him in a Mets outfit. Oh, yeah, because you mentioned the yeah, thing about somebody, how he had an Astros hat on and how that might be leaning. Somebody twi- tweeted me a picture of him with a Mets hat on. So, uh, but the 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 translations. If we want to just talk translations real quick, um, he played in Japan in uh, 2014. Okay, and. Uh, it was only 238, uh, 250, so uh, played appearances. Translated would be 269, 309, 437. So that's actually probably within shouting distance of a Justin Turner. Yeah. So you said 309, uh, 437? Yeah. So that's like about 309 OBP, 437. Yeah. Oh, look, Turner is 333, 436. So. If you want to type him, it's basically Justin Turner. And since Justin Turner is a righty, I don't think that the Dodgers are the right fit. I think they're also looking for to use their assets in pitching. Probably. Exactly. Um, Whatever they're trying to do, whether it's the money or, or trades. An outfield, or it's an outfielder because they've, they've been you know linked with Jay Bruce and stuff. So I still think it's Astros or Mets, and maybe the Mets are back in it. I mean, maybe the Mets will actually do it because the thing with Wright is it's probably a long-term thing. I mean – even if he gets healthy again from this thing, they know that it going in the future, um, that spinal stenosis he's got, the, the spinal c- column, it, it's like it's only getting worse. It's one of those things that just gets worse as you age. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's going to have much more career left. And you could probably set the over-under on the rest of his play appearances for his career between 600 and 1,000 is where I would probably put it. It's unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunately, really he's only sad. 33. He should have another four or five years based on kind of the yeah. player he was. But I don't, th- I don't think his body's going to allow it for David Wright. So yeah, they are looking for options. I do think Guriel is definitely in play for them. Yeah, you know the nice thing for the Mets, I guess, is that probably insurance will cover most of it. But that's true. Uh, Guriel, I guess you know he could step in and, and be helpful now, and um, may not cost. He won't. He won't cost as much as an established free agent. So, you know, I think the, the Mets could be a good place. Also, we didn't mention this, but in the Houston department, Alex Bregman is ready. I mean, he is. Everyone is waiting for him. I don't go a day without an Alex Bregman question of some sort. And I think he's even playing third base some. He has played 11 games there um, at double A. He just got to triple A played his first game. And all he did was go um, four for five with two doubles. And he, he's got the, the, the stuff that we talk about that makes me moist, the more walks than strikeouts plus great power. It's, uh, it's been very, really very impressive. Yeah, just hit the ground running. I mean, to some extent, he should have because he was a college guy. But uh, that isn't to say that, you know, this is it's not to say that every college guy hits the ground running. But, you know, he's a top, top pick, um, you know, second pick overall. Uh, college guys, so it's nice to see that there wasn't any problems. But um, you know, the projection on him is actually the same as Gurriel's, basically, and that's that's without accounting for the upside that comes from his 22 years of age, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you if you look at a translation for 
Guriel is 32, and it says the same thing as Bregman. You want Bregman. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even if Bregman was a little bit behind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so actually sort of now it looks like points to the Mets. I I think the Mets are are probably going to be the ones that are that are really looking at it. Um, But we'll we'll keep we'll keep the situation. uh, We'll keep you up on the situation as it develops. Could could end up being somebody that has has a little bit of use uh, in in the fantasy circles, depending on where he goes. Again, looking at like a 758 sort of type of uh, 750 OPS sort of guy. Uh, we got some closer situations to talk about. A trade has created some ripple effects. Uh, the Florida closer situations, both of them are in flux. There's a big activation, which led to a send down, and then maybe a couple pitchers to talk about. Let's start with the Fernando Rodney trade. Um, looks like actually a nice deal for uh, for the to- for the Padres. I'm all over the place here today because they ended up getting a minor leaguer who. Yeah, Marlins don't have a lot of great minor leaguers, and so if you can pluck one of their very few for a 38-year-old reliever, you want to do that at any point that you can. And so they got Chris Paddock, who has uh, has been beasting. He's got really gaudy numbers. I'm not familiar with him outside of what I've learned in the last uh, in the last day or so about him. 45 and a third innings, 39 strikeouts. Seven walks, uh, just one homer allowed, a 218 ERA, .97 whip. So he's pretty good prospect. Far away, he's in the rookie league, not concerned about him. Let's focus on Rodney. Well, no, let's, I have a couple of quick things. Um, it's it, Just because it's, it's funny given all the complaints about um, Dan Farnsworth scouting is that uh, he had Paddock second in the Marlins organization, higher than anybody else. And that was before Paddock went out and just blew the doors off of yeah. A-ball. And then there's another guy, Chris Blessing, who, you know, does go to a ton of games. He's a very good scout for Baseball HQ. Uh, he wrote about him. And basically they said very, very similar things. It's a, it's a nice fastball that he can command. It's 93-plus, sits, sits 93-plus. And it's a really, really good changeup. So the question is if he's going to add – another pitch if the slider or the curve is going to make it and blessings uh blessings stuff was a little bit more in depth about that because he talked about how uh paddock has a wrist wrap so basically you can see from his release point uh that the curve is coming you know he's he's trying to really overhand that that ball to get the movement on the curve and that you know that's not great because that means that Major league hitters will pick up on it and probably just not swing at it, and um, but he th- he thought that would go away, and that is something that is common in the minor league. So just you know having two really good pitches and and command I think is enough to be excited about him. And he's twenty, he's not sixteen, you know, so you could see him advancing fairly fast, you know, fairly quickly. I think you could see he could see high A this year. That wouldn't be crazy at all. A you know doing A ball and high in the same year that wouldn't be crazy at all. You could even, if they wanted to extend his innings because he only has 28 this year, you could see him in the, in the AFL. If you see him in the AFL, that means he's going to be double A next year. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So all of a sudden he's, and people come from double A up to the majors all the time. So if we're talking about, you know, the difference between trading for like a J2 signee, like a, if you're going in a dynasty league and you're going to go trade for somebody who just signed out of Venezuela or you know, Dominican Republic or something, those guys are really far away. Those guys have to do rookie ball, shorts. They're going to even do, probably do short season, then rookie ball, then high A, and they're probably, you know, probably two, three years away from doing double A. 
Paddock is a little bit different situation. He's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna rise pretty quickly. By the way, I, I messed up. Keeping with our tradition of, of messing up statistics, this one, I'm not taking the heat on this though. Um, baseball Reference does not have his 2016 stats in there, so I read Chris Paddock's uh, 2015 stats, which as you heard were good. But I knew that something was amiss because I remember when I learned of his 2016 stats, they were eye popping. And so he is Dude, he's, a ball, yeah. 28 innings with a 49% strikeout rate, yeah. 2%, 2 walk rate, walk rate. 0. 0.95 ERA, 0. 0.39 whip. He's just out of his mind. It's 28 in the third innings, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. But at, but at you, a certain magnitude level, you couldn't pitch better than no, that. No, you, you I mean, literally could not. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, uh, pardon me on that. Is, He's been two percent walk rate is probably within the error range on it. Like he probably could have walked zero. <laughs> Absolutely, he walked two guys. They were probably like three two counts where they fouled off yeah. a bunch and he finally missed one or something. The way he's pitching, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. So forty eight yeah. strikeouts in twenty eight yeah. and a third innings. Wow, wow. Yeah, that's a good return on Rodney. Which we should probably use that for. The, we should have like a segue sound. What is a segue sound? Like, what if we made it the sound of like one of those an actual segue? Like, oh. I wonder what. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, we do need to talk Rodney, Marlins. Uh, Rodney to the Marlins. You know, so he, Ramos is entrenched. Let me see here. He has more. Ramos is entrenched, but Rodney does have more velocity, which has been linked to closer change in the past. More, so I, more it, velocity it, than he's had, or more velocity than Ramos. More than Ramos. Really? Yeah, it's three miles an hour more than Ramos. I didn't know Ramos, Ramos actually, threw that slowly. Yeah, Ramos is one of the slowest. Um, the slowest fastballs oh, he, in the closer role. He lost a mile per hour this year from 92.6 to 91.7. But even still, if you'd asked me, I would have said 93.5 or above for sure. Yeah, and Rodney's 94.5, so it's really three. Let's see here. Uh, fastball. Who else is a slow one? Mark Melanson mm -hmm. is actually up a tick, but he's 91.5. So those two are the slowest. But, you know, I'm, I've talked about Melanson until I'm blue in the face about how he's going to lose it. I don't think he's going to lose it anymore. Uh, Genmar Gomez, however, I do think he could lose it. And uh, he's 91-3. So um, there you have your sort of bottom shelf. Sishek is, is a, a low-velocity guy, 91.5. However, he's a little bit more in the Ziegler I was just about camp. To, yeah. It, 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 you don't really judge it off velocity. It's just, it's just not, not going to help you. Yeah, like yeah, Ziegler velocity. has an 83 mile an hour fastball. It looks like a nasty ass change, you know, um, and it has more movement than anybody. So, uh, Sishek and Ziegler, I'm kind of beg out on. I mean, if we wanted to just really quickly talk about the bottom closers that could lose their job, it, I would probably mention Genoa Gomez and I guess AJ Ramos. AJ Ramos does have a good strikeout rate, but he has that walk rate that sort of did Rosenthal in. And Ramos has already had a couple times when people were like, oh, go get David Phelps. Well, it's not going to be David Phelps anymore. It's going to be Fernando Rodney. But I don't think that the new guy comes in and takes the job right away. I, I think you're right. I thought he had a little bit firmer hold on it, Ramos. Um, but as I'm looking here, like you said, 14% walk rate translates to 5.2 per nine if you want to go with that. 174 ERA is great, but a 119 whip says it's, it's a little bit more on a wire than you might expect. Uh, he and hasn't allowed a, a homer a little, all year. Yeah, but there was a little stretch there from the 31st of May to the 9th of June where I kept hearing about what, what should I do about Ramos. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that stretch, he had five walks against five strikeouts in five innings, so or in less than five innings, in fewer than five innings. So 
Um, that was a, if he has another stretch like that, you know, the team is trying to compete now. And, you know, so I'd basically just walk, watch his command. He has a couple games in a row where he walks one or two and starts putting guys on base. Um, you know, they could go to Rodney. It's not like Rodney has great control, but he has more of the, you know, what you would think of as normal closer stuff. And they are making a jump in the standings right now. They're basically in a virtual tie with the Mets for second in the NL East, and that's uh, second in the that's for the second wild card too. So um, I don't think that they. I think Ramos' leash just got a lot shorter. Absolutely, and, uh, he does have six owners walk free outings though. Ramos, that's true. Worth, worth noting that he has and cleaned it up a little bit recently. Also, the highest changeup whiff rate in baseball. Wow. So it is a really good yes. changeup, but. But uh, Rodney's, you know, splitter with the 94 is, is a little bit more traditional closer material. So I think that if you see any sort of stumbles from Ramos, uh, and I think that maybe Rodney owners should, should hold him for a little bit if they can, unless they want to drop to go in his wake back and go for the Padres closer. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can have one where someone crashes and falls off of a segue. <laughs> The, for the bad segue. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about Ryan Buchter. Uh, he's looking like the guy out there in San Diego. You might not be too familiar with him. It's B-U-C-H-T-E-R, Buchter. Got a 291 ERA. That's a little bit misleading because uh, nine of his 11 earned runs have come in two outings. Not to say he didn't earn the ERA, but it's it's different to me when nine of your earned runs come in one inning of work, two-thirds against Seattle, one-third against Baltimore, where he just got killed in both of those outings. And then the rest of the way, you're talking about 33 innings, two runs. He has a ton of strikeouts, 50 strikeouts, but does have walks as well, including three of them in his last outing, that, that, that bad one against, uh, against Baltimore when he, when he walked three and a third of an inning. But he, he was getting the holds. He had the eighth inning. Everything sets up for, for, the, um, for the ways that you look at when, when you have your system, You know, if you want to outline that again, of who's going to take the closer's role. I think he's got a lot of the factors working in his favor, and so I, I would be surprised if they went elsewhere. I just don't know who else they'd go to. Yeah, the, the only one that's – so first is roll. So and the easiest way to do that is just look at holds in the last 14 or you just look in, just look game by game and just see who pitched in the eighth uh, in wins and in tight games, even in losses sometimes because if it was tight until the end, you know, like if it was – if he pitched the eighth before the the guy who who blew it is blew it, you know, then he's actually the next guy in line. So, uh, yeah, roll is first. Second is uh, velocity and strikeout rate. I'm just going to put those together as one because they usually are paired as one. And um, and then third is uh, handedness. Um, they don't usually prefer a lefty, which is I think interesting for the Red situation. You got Singrani in there, who's pitched a little better recently. I think Iglesias is a better pitcher and a righty, and they need a lefty in that pen. Singrani is pretty much their only competent lefty. So you know, Iglesias could take that role, but then you look at usage and you see that Iglesias is pitching like two innings at a time every three days in some sort of weird, you know, hybrid. We're still trying to keep them st- stretched out, kind of situation. So. Uh, I'm not sure Iglesias is going to take that, but that's a side thing. So for for Buchter, he's got everything but velocity. He's got the strikeout rate. Uh, he's got the roll. So it's him. Maurer does have more velocity, but he's just not pitching that well. He's giving up homers, and he they're not trusting him with the eighth. They weren't trusting him with the eighth inning. And I did an interview with Buchter, and if you if you're wondering how a guy with a 92 mile an hour fastball has that strikeout rate, he has uh, one of the highest spin rates in baseball on his four seam. Has a lot of ride, and 
he chooses, you can see that walk rate. I think he actually has decent command. He chooses to walk guys rather than go to his cutter or slider and give or in. throw. Yeah, he does not. That's exactly the words he said. He did not want to give in. So he chooses to walk guys. So I bet you those in those nine run games, he just, you know, a bunch of singles peppered with a bunch of walks, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Rather than homers, which he doesn't give up many homers. So. You know, it is a weird package, but it is kind of the philosophy of, you know, the the Giants. It's one of the ways that they've actually avoided uh, or beaten FIP as a team has been that I think they espouse an idea, like Vogelsong has told me and other two guys have told me, that you'd rather give up a walk than a home run mm-hmm. in a big spot. So um, I, I think he's uh, I think he's ready to go. I think he's going to take it. There's the the last bit, which is way after handedness and probably maybe not that important, but maybe important is the money thing, which we talk about sometimes, which is will a young team um, will a young team want to make their your closer more expensive? But the thing that I think that that actually I was thinking about this the other day because I've had members of teams say they don't do that, and of course they could be telling us they don't do that because it's tampering and the you know the players association association would hate it Mm -hmm. but i think there's actually a competing factor which is this if you're the padres you could give maurer the saves role because he's closer to free agency and therefore not going to be more expensive later however you could give bookter the saves and pump him up as a closer and then trade him for closer value that's that's a good point exactly you can always you can always flip it on its head a little bit yeah so it's i think those are competing sort of uh what do you call it? Uh, motivation. Sure. And, uh, and and if you look at like this team, the Padres, are they going to be competitive in the next uh, two, three years where they care about how much Bookter is going to cost in year four? You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, and if they are competitive in four years, then they don't care that they're paying Bookter like eight million a year, you know? So, you know, I think you can kind of line that up with, with, uh, with competitiveness. And, you know, I think that's another thing too is like, the closer is going to be more expensive in year three or four. Then you have to assume that the guy's going to actually be closing in year three or four because relievers are up and down. That's the thing. And yeah, if they are, you might not... are closing in year three or four, you might be competitive again. So there's that third competing motivation is like, well, let's just maybe he'll be our closer when we're good again. Yeah, he just he just might make it and be good enough. Or like you said, it might just be flamed out. So who cares? We're not we're rising a price on something that's a little bit artificial. Um, don't worry about it. So um Bookter looks great. Stats look great. The walks are the big issue, but he doesn't give up a lot of hits. I agree with you that some of this might be purposeful. And so, you know, the whip's still at a, at a very manageable 118. What kind of uh, what kind of coin are you putting down on, on Buckter if you're in need of saves? Well, he's a lefty, but they have another lefty. So they have Brad Hand, and they're even running Kristen Friedrich. Well, I guess he's a starter He's been now, starting, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they, they have a lefty in Brad Hand who's been coming out of the pen. So they've got their loogie lefty guy. And I actually don't know. I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think any team does that more than the San Diego Padres in terms <laughs> yeah. of who the hell are these relievers that they have. Well, I, like, I know who Perdomo is, but I don't know what Hand it is. Anyway, it looks like uh, Hand is the only other lefty. Is Matt Thornton if, on if, the team? I'm showing him on the team. If he's still on the team, he's a lefty as well. He's 39. Oh, and he, he just came off the disabled list in the end of May. And okay, yeah, he's pitching. He's pitching. Uh, he pitched two innings at a time. He's pitching. So they have two lefties. I think they're probably fine with Booker. I I would I would go up to you know 13 to 16 percent. Okay, so that's sort of 
and I've I've started noticing there is there's bunching when it comes to FAB. There's a lot of bunching. Absolutely. You know, and eleven percent is well, I want him, but you know, if somebody wants to bid thirteen or sixteen, they, they're gonna get yeah, it. They can do that. Thirteen is like I really do want this guy. Uh, you know, AJ Griffin. I went to eleven for AJ Griffin in AL Labor, and he went for thirteen. And I was like, duh. Um, you know, if I really wanted AJ Griffin, I should have gone to thirteen. So I think sometimes um, we we know on on certain guys where it's like, if I really wanted to get him, I could put in the super competitive bid. I'll just put in a, a reasonably competitive one, and if I get lucky, I get lucky. Otherwise, whatevs. Yeah, exactly. So, um, in any case, uh, yeah, Bookter, I think that thirteen. You know, 16 if you really need it. Uh, AL only, you're closer to 16. Uh, because, like what I just said, the, one of the other ones is like, yeah, NL, sorry, NL only, uh, closer to 16. Because what did I say about the other the other team um, that... ...used in the right... Um, ...for... ...to be the next closer. Mm-hmm. You know, Melanson has sort of recovered from or, or has powered on through being a low, a low velocity guy. So, you know, there's no real obvious um, closing situation that I, uh, am I missing one? Well, we have one, we have one other thing, one other closer situation to discuss and it's AL it's Tampa Bay's because Alex Colomay went on the disabled list uh, that's right. and now they're wide open and weirdly enough, or, or I guess I should say coincidentally enough, it is kind of weird though, because they look like, I don't know. I don't know if they've said anything, but it's looking like Xavier Cedeno, a lefty could be the guy there. And they have Dana Evelyn, any, any Romero. So they have two other lefties as well. Their bullpen is awful. Kind of a funny situation. Yesterday I was uh, on G chat watching the Tigers game. And they go down big, and uh, so I, I actually started. I was on another. Uh, I was on. I was on a podcast show, basically a video show. And I'm like, you know what? If I miss the, the rest of this game, it's not that bad. We we oh. we're gonna get killed. No big deal. Jason texts me, and it, it or G chats me, and it's this is when it's six nothing or five nothing. He goes, we're gonna lose this game. <laughs> this game, we're gonna lose it. I'm I'm telling you guys, it's fifth. In, this is early. Tigers don't even have a run yet. Bullpen's going to lose this game. I was like, I, you know, just normal team venting. I said, yeah, that'd be great, but I'm not holding my breath. And wouldn't you know? So, and then the, the very next inning, the sixth inning, the Tigers scored two. He goes, here it comes. And it didn't, it didn't quite take off. So it's five to two. And he's like, okay, seventh inning, nothing. Eighth inning, nothing. In fact, they tack on two. And basically, they made it more painful for him. It was seven to two. And then an eight-run ninth for the Detroit Tigers. And not a single homer to be seen, y'all. In fact, it was that Erasmo Ramirez that we were talking about. It was about. Ramirez who we were we were loving on, but this Garton guy did a did a hell of a lot of the damage too. Did not log Put it a lot out. Of the guys on. And and it just singles. We Tigers just singled them to death. Absolutely mm-hmm. just only two doubles all night out of eleven hits. They had uh, five walks and it was I went back and watched it. it bummer to miss. I love those. That, that's my that's the most rewarding thing about watching every game is when you get those comebacks on the on the games that are dead, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, this is not gonna come through. But you know what? I'm gonna keep it on because I'm not really doing anything better. I can at least leave it on. And unfortunately, I had something to do, so I missed it. But it was awesome. It was an awesome little comeback for the team. Hopefully it, it kind of 
propels them, keeps them going. They're, they're three games over. They're they're competitive, but uh, unbelievable, unbelievably bad situation in the Tur- uh, Tampa Bay bullpen right now with Colome going down. Even when they had Colome, it wasn't that great. Xavier Cedeno's looking like he might become the guy. Last two outings that he's been in, specifically, he finished them. But they were both big wins, uh, 13 to seven and four nothing. So neither were save situations. Before that, he didn't always work the eighth, but he has regularly worked the eighth, and he's got a good number of holds. He's got 14 holds. You said that that's something that you look at. So what do you know about Xavier Cedeno, um, and would you go get him for some for some cheap saves? I would, but I'd pay a lot less. You got Brad Boxberger coming back from injury, mm-hmm. uh, and also on top of that, I did look at you know, what relates to save chances. And it's not necessarily team strength, so it's not how many wins you have. It's a, it's a little bit more complicated than that. One of them is how much how many runs. The only two that I found that really correlated were how many runs your team scores and how good your bullpen is in general. And I think that makes sense because in order to win games, you need to score runs. And in order to win games, you need to actually have guys get it to the closer. Right? That's a good point. Yeah, you can't just have... You know, in some cases it, it works, but for the most part, you can't just have the one good guy. And and sometimes yeah. we see that happen with with uh, the Dodgers getting getting the bridge the bridge to um, Kenley Jansen can be rough at times, and probably yeah. costs him the chance at some of those, you know, really gaudy uh, fifty win se- uh, fifty save seasons. I, I think he's only gone over forty once, and he certainly has the skills, and he's on a team to do a hell of a lot better than that, but they, they don't really get him the, get him, uh, get the bridge to him very well in, in Los Angeles. So uh, it's going to be a situation like that in Tampa Bay for sure. There's going to be games that they're, they're, they're the, yeah, they're also they're the, they're the second worst team or the third worst team by runs in the AL. They're already bad. And then they're going to have trouble even getting it to a situation where Cedeno can get the save. So I agree with you. This has to be a much lower purchase. The uh, Rays, oh, by ERA, they are the worst in now second worst in the in the AL. Yikes! So yeah, they they just have they don't have anything going for them. Plus, it's a lefty who's throwing eighty nine miles an hour. Yeah, you know it's not. He doesn't even throw a fastball. It's a cutter cutter curve. Yeah, it's not uh, not exciting. Boxberger may come up and you know take it back. It's uh, now it's a question of who gets healthy faster. The problem with Boxberger is he hurt the same place he was hurt, so that's real bad. Yeah, he was um, back for like five seconds, right? Yeah, but Romero's uh, strikeout minus walk rate is also real bad. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just it's one of those foobar situations where I'm not super into it, and I'm not gonna spend more than like 11 percent or something. I don't even think I would go that high. If you need saves, I I, I get some desperation, but other than that, I'm treat I put this in the uh, Cincinnati category, and I do not touch the Cincinnati bullpen under any circumstances. One one uh, back to the NL real quick, since we're doing basically a bullpen pod. Uh, which is fine. I think people uh, people like that. Uh, the we should uh, we should mention Atlanta, because Aradis Vizcaino is not only being rumored as being part of a package with Tehran to the Red Sox, or just being available generally, mm-hmm. which would make sense if you were the Braves. But he also left his last appearance with runners on base in a save situation, and they went to Mauricio Cabrera who I mentioned because he's not on the closer report, guys. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but also, which maybe he shouldn't be because he what, didn't actually set up, right? He wasn't. He's not the next guy necessarily, if you think about it. He would have pitched in the eighth if he's the next guy. Yeah, we st- we're still feeling com- some of that Jim Johnson 
unfortunately. Right, but however, Mauricio Cabrera has a hundred mile an hour. Oh no, he, not, he's way better. He like averages it. Way you know, better. Not, let me see what his average actually says because I want I want to see triple digits. Yes, his average on Fangraphs is one hundred one point three. That's so I love sexy. that. I don't think I've ever seen that. Even Chapman. No, I haven't. I haven't even he, seen. He that. averaged like one hundred oh I think once, but. Yeah, so Cabrera is nasty, nasty, nasty. There's a weird thing where his spin rate's really low, but I'm going to have to look into that. But uh, I think at some point you power through a low spin rate. <laughs> when you got 101 on average, yeah, you kind of oh, do. So it only looks like 99? <laughs> Dang. He's only, yeah, it's only, yeah it's, only, it's only coming up there in the upper 90s. He sucks. Yeah. So uh, I think that uh, I, I picked up Cabrera in like my 20-team league, uh, in my 18-team league. That's a yeah, really good. A that's a really good name. That's a good speculation because, yeah, Vizcaino does feel as good as gone, and uh, you know, via trade, why not? Why not take a shot on somebody like this, Mauricio Cabrero, a young prospect who can just run it up there so devastatingly at 101. Mm-hmm. Has already been in some late inning situations. I like that. Uh, that's a great call, and he got the save um, on the third. I guess that was yesterday in the game. This, this could be really an interesting situation, and he should leapfrog Jim Johnson. I know the whole concerns about, like you said, that you brought up earlier about raising the price on some of these young guys. Uh, God, I hope that— But, you know, even the Braves have to start thinking. That's like, what I'm They're saying. going to a new stadium next they year. They say they want to compete gotta... next year. So what, do, what are you yeah. waiting for? If you, if, what, what are you doing with Jim Johnson? And you're not— you're not pumping up Jim Johnson's trade value. Nobody gives a crap about Jim he Johnson. He could get a save can... every day from now and every day. <laughs> from now until the trade deadline. And the best you'll get is nowhere close to Chris Paddock. Exactly. You will, you will get Chris Paddock's sweat. Okay? In a, a jar. In a jar for Jim Johnson. If he gets 30 otherwise, saves in a row. Otherwise known as cash consideration. <laughs> Precisely. And it could be worth a little something because Chris Paddock, as we outlined, is a beast. But that's all you're getting. So I completely agree with you. You're not pumping up Jim Johnson's uh, value. He's not your closer next year. All you've been talking about is 17, 17, 17. We're going to be good for the new stadium. We're going to be good in 17, blah, blah, blah. We'll put your money where your mouth is here. And and even though it's a rookie who you're probably going to raise his price a little bit if he comes out and has a beast second half, that should not be a concern. I think that they could put him in, uh, Mauricio Cabrera, put him in the closer's role. Get a nice half season out of him. See if he's capable of doing it. And then you've got your closer for this new team that you're hoping will at least – they're not saying World Series next year, at least not seriously, but uh, – Win 75-80. Yeah, start, don't be a laughing stock, right? Be one of those competitive yeah. teams that might push 500, and you've got to have a good closer for that. Because a lot of times these, these bottom-feeding teams, they're bottom-feeding because their bullpens are an utter nightmare. And so yeah. I, like, I like seeing Mauricio Cabrero come up. Work his way. He was the seventh inning first game, eighth inning next game, saved his his most recent game. Great name, you know. Good call there. Um, All right, let's. Yeah, I think that's probably enough for for bullpen. Yeah, that's that's, that's enough bullpen talk. I want to talk about um, a, a pair of moves here on one team. They seem pr- probably pretty related. Miguel Sano activated. Byung Ho Park sent down. Let's talk first about what you think about Byung Ho Park being sent down. I know we. I believe we briefly mentioned it on Wednesday's pod. 191 average jumps out as horrible, but as we said, to be that bad with the with making contact and still have an 81 OPS plus, I'm not saying that 81 is good. It's it's well below average. 
but it kind of tells you that he was still doing some things right when he made contact. He just could not make enough consistent contact. So the 12 homers weren't enough to earn him a stay. 29-year-old comes over from Korea, gets sent down. This cannot suit him well. What do you think with Byung-ho Park, and how long will he be down? Well, I think that you know, proving that he has a good power stroke is, is really strong. I mean, 219 ISO is nothing to shake a stick at. And you know, 230 BAB, if it can't just be from shifting, he's a righty. So, you know, I think this is a short-sighted move on their part. Maybe, uh, maybe like as you said, he can go down there and get some, you know, confidence back. He is gonna. I mean, he's gonna go down there and match. He's gonna crush. I'm not gonna, gonna be crush. surprised if he's like seven homers in his first two weeks or like something yeah. that crazy. Yeah, and you know, I think that Grossman has been slowing down, and to me, Grossman is not someone you need to keep in the lineup. Grossman is a guy. I think Grossman is decent. I just think he's more, I think he's like almost got the ideal uh, fourth outfielder um, kind of uh, skill set in that he can play most uh, outfield positions and he's a switch hitter. So you can plug him in there against either side for rest or for platoon reasons. Uh, and he's got great patience, but not a great history of power and has been over his head power wise right now. Absolutely. So, you know, as that power, I think, calms down, he did say that he changed some stuff about what he's doing, but, um, you know, we all kind of regress to who we are in the end uh, to some extent. Yeah. Whenever so, I write a good article, people are like, Paul's good at writing now. Uh, invariably I write four <laughs> bad articles in a row and I get back to the level that I'm at. So no, I totally get it. It even translates to our jobs. Uh, <laughs> well, but, no, yeah. I mean, Robbie Grossman has Grossman six bombs. has been hitting. Yeah. Right. There was, it was a quick six bombs. And even though he's hitting for more, uh, he's hitting for more loft than he had in the past, and and that's good. And he's you know, he's not being very much more aggressive, but he's being a little bit more aggressive. That's good. You know, I think that that means that he could maybe have like a 150 ISO. You know what I'm saying? And that would that be you useful. Know, you take the over on his rest of season projections, but that means he's basically a guy who's going to have like a 330, 340 OBP and a 400 slugging. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's not good. that shouldn't keep Park out of the lineup. No. It's a little bit of a crowded situation, though, because they have Sano, who should be the DH or first baseman. They have Maurer, who, you know, nearing the end of his... Like, like this could all be really cleaned up if they could send Maurer to a competitor. Do you think that they want to or that he wants to? I mean, he probably has... Real strong, uh, no trade stuff in his Absolutely contract. Absolutely does, and he's, he's, he's probably has the five and ten and everything. He still owed the rest of twenty three mil for this year, and then twenty three mil in seventeen and eighteen. Yeah, but they could, they could, like, what did the the what do they do on Shields? They they had a very similar contract with, contract with Shields, and they and they ate thirty million of fifty left or something. Okay, and, uh, that's fair. You know that then they get a little bit of salary yeah, back. Yeah, he's making that same kind of kind of kind of stuff. Twenty one, twenty one, twenty one. So you're right. It's not an immovable. And he's probably object. better relative to his peers than absolutely. And Shields was especially the at the point that James Shields was traded. He was traded after pitching like you or I would in in a major league game. <laughs> yeah. So or, who who could who could be into it? Um, yeah. Who needs the, who needs a first base DH type? Uh, the Indians. Don't they need more of an outfielder? They got Napoli and Santana. They're, they're talking about uh, and uh, the White Sox. You know who really needs it? White Sox. The they're running Avisel Garcia. 
Really? No, I'm kidding about the Orioles. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, Uh, Avaseo Garcia is the current DH. He's got an 82 OPS plus. I'm on B-Ref. That's why I'm going OPS plus instead of WRC plus. And Bauer has a 102. Closely correlated. I mean, WRC plus is better, but they're very close, so. Yeah, I think uh, Mauer would be an upgrade for the White Sox. But can they afford another big deal like that? Yeah, they're the ones who got Shields. That ticket. The Mariners have a collection of yep. kind of guys. Astros have options. What about uh, KC? Morales is just getting on track. Why they they played him in the outfield the other day? I know. Crazy. Weren't they? Uh, uh, was it because Kane went on the DL and they didn't have an option? For- the Mets are not going to put the money together for that. Nope. Um, and the NL team has to play him at first. Now he can play for like he's not a he can complete play, slug. Uh, yeah, he can play for first, but there's no real opening. The Pirates aren't in the position to do it, and they don't have the money. Yep. Um, Dodgers doesn't even make sense. Gonzalez is there. He's the same guy. I mean, he, he's a better yeah. version of Mauer. I, I yeah, say. there's actually it's 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 pretty hard. Tigers don't have anybody that. at first. No, I'm just kidding. They got the best player in the world. <laughs> what about the Blue Jays? Uh, Blue Jays got smoke and Edwin. And Smoke's doing all right? Yeah, Smoke. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. You know what? Do you, does anybody ever confuse Smoke and Saunders? Because I constantly. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know why. Well, Smoke is projected to be basically replacement level. Uh, he has been replacement level this year. He's 97 OPS plus, which is actually the average. I know 100 is supposed to be league average, but in some but years, that's what pitchers 97 no, is the actual average. It's the pitcher's. You got to take the pitcher's. Oh, out. good point. Good point. Good point. But, but if you're talking about first baseman, 98 is below. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a 733 OPS, does smoke. So, you know what? That that could be, you know, the Blue Jays in the past, they, everyone said, oh, they need pitching. And then they went and got Troy Tulowitzki. So, you know, if the Twins pay enough money, I could see him going there. Anyway, that would be a, so- a solution. Back to the Twins. In the meantime, they're just kind of stuck with too many big bats, big guys who can't move well. And, um, and I guess that's why Park went down. Uh, you know, we we we've speculated on Buxton going down. Maybe they want him to work it, work his way through his issues at the major league level. You know, I guess they saw they already did the thing with Buxton where they sent him down to get confidence. Yeah, right? and it, if you have to do it again, I don't think he can come back up. Not this year, right? right? I think or if you send him back maybe. down, uh, it's like uh, unless there's a major injury, you just got to be down there right now. So they're probably like, well, what we're, we're going to do is we're using the rest of this year as a development year. And we're gonna we're gonna have the guys that we really think are gonna be with us going in the future, at their positions and play them at their, at their positions. Exactly. So, so Park may be part of the future, but we don't have a position for him right now. So that's why he's the odd man out. Yeah, uh, you know what? Kepler's I think gonna keep. If that's the, if that's what's going on, then it's gonna be Kepler, Buxton, Grossman in the outfield, and uh, Sano at DH, and they're gonna maybe try to trade Mauer in the offseason or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Park is going to go down and mash. I'm sad because he's my AL only first baseman, and now I have to go out and shop Brandon Kinsler for first baseman, and that's kind of tough to do. You know, the names that I'm getting back are not uh, exciting me. Because 94% of your trade partners don't know who Brandon Kinsler is, and they not in AL labor. They're trusting you. They're like, Eno's a smart guy. He wouldn't rip me off. I, I'll trust that this is a real player. But we could have a toughy ghost switch situation on our hands where it's actually a fake player. <laughs> By the way, that fake player was called back up. That's not a real player. That's not a real name. But toughy ghost switch was called he back up. He is playing in the big leagues. You know, we got one thing to hit on real quick. One last mm-hmm. guy to talk about. Nady Evaldi. He's pitching tonight. He's been a nightmare. He's been a guy that you and I have liked in the past. 
home runs are up around the league, and few guys are feeling the brunt of that more than him as Nathan Eovaldi's home run rate has jumped 3x over the last few years. He was a steady .6 homers per nine each of the last three years, actually. So this was not a small sample. He kept the ball in the park. That was one of the good things about him that allowed him to keep kind of a low fours ERA despite some some struggles that he would have with, with consistency. He's up to 1.8 this year in 86 and two-thirds innings. And I don't know that you can just blame it all on the park because he had a .6 in New York last year. So what the hell's going on with Eovaldi? And, and would you hang on at this point? Because it's one of those sexy names or at least alluring enough names with the talent that people have a tough time cutting. I know I do. Um, and I've, I get the questions on Twitter, so I know I'm certainly not the only one. He's going out to San Diego tonight. I know that they're not playing like Petco used to. But if he goes out there and allows three, four homers, I mean, what the freak? So 519 ERA for Evaldi halfway through the season. What's going on with him? I don't know, man. And it's something that's going on in baseball. If you've noticed, home runs are way up. The home runs are through the roof. And... I'm 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 gonna try and look at this uh, for Fangraphs next week because it's really hard to figure out why. And one of my theories, I have to test all these different theories. One of my theories is uh, velocity's up. It could just be straight velocity in, velocity out. But we know that velocity in only is is five times less important than bat speed, right? Mm-hmm. So it it seems weird to that you would think that all of this would be coming from like you know a 0.2 mile per hour velocity yeah. increase. You know, um, and then uh, another thing is I want to look at sort of the difference between your max velocity and your sitting velocity. And I wonder if uh, pitchers are now pushing closer to their max every day, uh, which would suggest to me that perhaps they've lost a little bit of command. So I'm also going to try and look at the evolution of heart percentage. Bill Petty has a number that's like edge versus heart in terms of the zone. So I want to see if maybe heart percentage is down. And so maybe. People are trying to throw too hard and have lost command. That's uh, but and then on top of that, there is some sort of there, you know what it could be also is that we're selecting more, we're selecting better for exit velocity. So because we now can measure it better, we're now getting players that are good at it. Ah, so um, the player pool has tightened, is what you're suggesting, perhaps? Yeah, that that we've sort of zeroed in on guys that can really launch the ball, uh, because uh, Ben Lindbergh did find that even if you if you account for location in the zone exit velocity is up um so i think i find that very interesting uh and i think it's all relevant to Ivaldi because here's a guy who throws you know 99 in the fourth and fifth innings and uh ostensibly found a pitch in the splitter that's actual you know real life good secondary pitch and yet is giving up every homer in the world and we know that the exit velocity on his Air air hits like his his fly balls basically is like one of like three worst in the league. Wow. So I, I think it's probably and for him it's related a little bit to how straight his fastball is. That's another thing we have to look at. If, as the league is getting faster, is it getting are their fastballs getting straighter? Because there is a relationship between velocity and movement. They've got I mean uh, they've got to be getting somewhat straighter, right? I mean so if they're getting straighter and we're selecting for players that are better at at exit velocity then what we would eventually get was more homers. We're, we're, okay, so if I'm doing my math right here, and there's a strong chance that I'm not, folks. I'm sorry. Math is definitely not my strongest suit, but um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying here, and I think I, got, I think I got the numbers properly. If they're correct, 
We're pacing for the most homers ever. Yeah, it's up there. I I, I heard something like I that. I got fifty five thirty two as a current pace, and I didn't go all the way back. I only actually went back to ninety because honestly, I really just wanted to check the quote unquote steroids. Excuse me, not ever. Two thousand had fifty six ninety two. Yeah, but yeah, that's it. It's a top three because we're back in the steroid era, basically with home runs. I mean, it's it's insane. And it's it's you know honestly if if anybody listening is mad at me for some of my pitcher picks I think that they probably are some of them oh both of us uh, the first the first thing I'll ripped. say is a lot of times I'm trying to get you guys dollar guys so please I hope you only paid a dollar for them yeah your volatility and, and, is higher and then two it's a crazy year man this is this is not supposed to happen we went from the non steroid era to steroid era in one year and it would be our highest and all these guys that we're looking at that were like well I don't know is this guy any good. They have home run rates that are through the roof. That's the thing. And it's always, look at this. The Ks are good. The walks are good. He's had great outings um, in, Drew in Smiley. 10 of his 12. But then the other two, he gave up eight homers. Drew Smiley is a great example. And I just never know what the hell is going to happen with game? him. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And and look at Ivaldi. His career is .77 home runs per nine. And he's got 1.77 this year. And the projections have already moved. On that, and they're projecting him for over one a game, even though he's never done that before in his career. And that's an adjustment to the league. By the way, for runs, uh, I got 21.606, and that would be the highest since 2009, which was that era, uh, basically from basically from nine, uh, excuse me, from 1998 to about 2009 was was a was a period where it was all kind of the the high run environment. Yeah, and then we came out of it, and and, and then partially steroid testing, and then partially the zone getting lower. Yes. So, do you think there's any of the zone changing in season? Can you look at that from the time that that I'll, announcement I'll came out? I'll ask around. I'll ask around. Uh, I can't do it myself, but if uh, someone could could do it and 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 judge it from the time that we heard that they were going to make a change in the future, right? And maybe they started pushing on people to make that change sooner because also the 8.2% walk rate, first off, it wasn't above, it wasn't above eight in any of the last three years. It was at eight flat in 2012. The last time it was above 8.2 was 2010. So walks are up, home runs are up, obviously runs are up. I mean, it's crazy. We are, and and wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be the year that we all are like gung ho about pitching, saying these pitchers they're so reliable. We got 20 aces, blah blah blah. And I'm not I'm not saying blah 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 like to make fun of the people who said it. I was part of them. I was saying we got all these aces. This is great. Get these aces. And it has not worked out. It has not worked out at all. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's something that we need to look at. And um, uh. And uh, I'm not sure that I have the answer for you right now. I would say that suspiciously, uh, Nathan Neovaldi, other than the home run rate, looks way much like he used to. <laughs> so he did add like a half strikeout per nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did get up to league average strikeout rate with that splitter. But it's not uh, amazing. You know? No, it's just so I think he's droppable, man. Yeah, I think, I think he is too because – it, it, it's just not working out. He was, been- and it looks too much like he used to. Like even if you gave him his old home run rate, the strikeouts and walks are so much, you know, so very much like what he used they're to just, do. So they're pedestrian. He's most likely gonna do like a four oh. Like even the better side of him going forward, I think is like a four oh five, four ten ERA. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's fair. And and I don't know why 
I don't know why. I, you know, I thought the splitter would be enough, but I do know that his his fastball is straight and he doesn't have great command, and sometimes it's you know dick high and you know ready to go. So, uh, I, I yeah. So I I I I give up. I don't give up. I don't give up. It's a it's a crazy year. We'll reevaluate. We'll figure things out. But um, and we found plenty of names along the way. It's just that some of these guys are just giving up homers. Well, we have to think about this. And the, and the thing of it is, it's everything is on the wire because it's uh, not the way wire, just like living on a wire. Because the second you start to believe in somebody, they get a four homer game, right? Yeah, and, and and the opposite is true too. Like you're not really supposed to look at home runs this early, like in in small samples. You know, like he has a 21 percent home run for fly ball rate, and his career is 8.7%. Like, normally you would say, there's no way, you know, no way that you would even, you would go all the way back to his league average. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you would go all the way back to 0.7 home runs per nine. So, you know, obviously Steamer and Zips are seeing something that's changing in the run environment. So they're regressing to the league average run environment instead of the Evaldi average run environment. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And so we're watching this change around us. And it looks like, you know, a little bit like the steroid era. So some of your your staffs, it might give you some hope, man. You know, it might give you some hope. Maybe you're going to be able to get out there and and find some guys and and cobble together some staff. You know, because everybody's ERA is going to be a little bit higher this year. That's the thing. You might not be as in bad of a situation as you thought because of your ERA with everybody else is being inflated. But you know, I got to let you go. We don't want to use too much of your battery power since you're going to be running light tonight. Have a great weekend. Um, got any plans for the fourth? Grilling. Oh, that's and because great. of because of my uh, my uh, week long or weekend long uh, birthday party last weekend. It's a lot of watching the kids so that uh, my wife can have time in the garden by herself. Well, that sounds good. Sounds like you're a dope husband, and I uh, hope you enjoy that. Enjoy <laughs> grilling. Enjoy drinking some beer and enjoy some baseball. You and I will be back on Wednesday. Think I think Jason and I'll be back on Sunday as scheduled because Fourth of July is on Monday. So unless there's something going on with family for him, we will be back. Eno, take care. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening.